Uh, it's good to see every one of you uh, here today. We're going to look today at 1 Peter chapter 4. 1 Peter chapter 4, and we'll be looking at verses 1 through 11. While we're doing that, can y'all give it up for the worship team too? Yeah. Appreciate you. Appreciate you guys. Uh, we've been in a series, if you haven't been with us all month, on stewardship throughout the month of July. So the first Sunday of the month, we looked at servant stewardship and what it looks like to get low, to humble ourselves, and in so doing, to then steward the gospel of Jesus Christ well. And then last week, we talked about hanging on and stewarding relationships well by loving like it matters because it really does. And today we're going to talk a bit more, kind of extending that conversation a little bit, um, but talking about what it looks like to steward the gifts that God has placed inside of us for the benefit of those around us. And we're going to look at 1 Peter 4 um, to help us converse about that. And before we read, let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for this opportunity to study the word of God. We are grateful for every chance we get to corporately open up your word to see what it is you have for us. And to that end, we pray according to your word, Psalm 119 and 18, that says to open up our eyes so that we can see everything that is here. By the power of your Holy Spirit, I pray that our hearts are softened in a new way that will leave differently than when we came with a bit more fervor and intentionality about living out the gospel that we profess on a day-to-day -day basis. Remove me and speak through me to each of us, myself included, this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So if you have 1 Peter 4 by this point or are looking on the screen, it says, Therefore, since Christ suffered in his body, arm yourselves also with the same attitude. Because whoever suffers in the body is done with sin. As a result, they do not live the rest of their earthly lives for evil human desires, but rather for the will of God. For you have spent enough time in the past doing what pagans choose to do, living in debauchery, lust, drunkenness, orgies, carousing, and detestable idolatry. They are surprised that you do not join them in their reckless, wild living, and they heap abuse on you. But they will have to give account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. Verse 6, for this is the reason the gospel was preached even to those who are now dead, so that they might be judged according to human standards in regard to the body, but live according to God in regard to the spirit. The end of all things is near. Therefore, be alert and of sober mind so that you may pray. Above all, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength that God provides so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. I want to read verse 10 over again because that'll be the point of emphasis this morning, <clears throat> which reads, each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. Um, the title of the message this morning is We the Church. We the Church. What is the church? 
We know it's not uh, a church building, though many of us might see it as such. Even last week, I believe, I referenced in, in an effort to uh, give thanksgiving to our Lord and Savior for all that he's provided us, including this space with double the seating we had in our old place and, 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 and plenty of parking, which is difficult within city limits to, to get. I kind of gave some thanks to the Lord for this space we call church. And however wrong I was in using that language, the intention was to say, God, thank you for what you're doing in our midst. But the truth be told, I still get a bit fired up at the thought and the saying of, I am going to and we are going to have some church. Blame it on my roots. Particularly when you got to take the R out of, of church, right? When we, we talk about going to church, I'm going to and we are about to have some church. Because when two or three, the Bible says, are gathered in his name, he is in the midst. So there's something about coming together corporately, thinking about who kept us breathing all week long, who kept us from danger seen and unseen, who kept my kids healthy, allowed us to get on a plane to Orlando and back safely, who allowed my father-in-law who was here with us this morning to drive many hours to be with us, who keeps us in good health. It's a nice thing to get together corporately to have some church and give thanks to the God who allowed all of that to happen. I love to have some church. Quick story, my wife and I, we met in college here at UVA many years ago. She grew up in Columbus, Ohio, going to Catholic uh, mass, though I understand it was pretty lit. Uh, they had a gospel <laughs> choir. They sang Kirk Franklin in this Catholic mass, so it was, it was, you know, just on another level. But when she came, when we started, we knew there was something going on, and she came with me to visit the Bronx, New York, where I attended church in my Baptocostal environment. <laughs> History is all Baptist, and as we came out of more formally the tradition, though some definitely remained, there was a lot of the Pentecostal flavoring to the worship. I had to give Taylor a little bit of heads up. Like, listen, when we go into this church, our church, my church of my youth, when I move, you move. <laughs> Just like that. <laughs> at any moment in time, by telling the truth, I said, at any moment in time, somebody can be flying across the pew. So just lean back, <laughs> watch your toes, and let it go. And it wasn't all emotionalism. Right? In fact, I would believe that in our soul there is some emotion. So to some degree, I expected and appreciated the emotion that came with thanksgiving to a God that keeps us every single day. In that context, particularly, many, though not all, would come to church not thinking that they ever would have made it to that day. Literally dodging bullets throughout the week, literally not knowing where they were going to eat. So when they got there... A backflip was the least that they were going to do when they came up in to say thank you alongside others who had experienced very similar experiences that week. Which makes me think, and I won't go down the path too far, but I have to say I think about those who came before me, just even one generation, let alone two or three, and what was endured. No wonder they were hanging from chandeliers. God, you kept me from that? I love to have some church. I love when we get together. And thanksgiving to a holy God for what he does in and through us. And what I learned in that space 
whether or not I was on my last dime or am on my last dime, whether or not I don't think I'm going to make it from day to day, whether or not I have a home or don't have a home, what I learned in that space, if I don't feel desperate, the truth is I am. I am desperate for Jesus every single day of my life whether or not I feel like or experience what some of I just described. Is anybody in here desperate for Jesus? Desperate in recognizing who you are and who we are not, and certainly whose we are, and that we need him every single day of our lives. I love to have some church. Now, having said that, and having embraced all of what has shaped who I am in Jesus Christ today, which I will remain respectful and in regard of for the rest of my life, I now know and recognize that church is not the building. It's not necessarily an event, but it is you and it is me. We are the church, the bride of Christ for whom he laid his entire life down. Side note, husbands, that's our job. We get to lay our lives down for our bride. Ephesians 5, 21 through 33, read a lot of weddings. They often focus on wives, submit to your husband, which there's some unpacking there to be done. Though I will say in this parenthetical moment, it doesn't mean that wives are your doormat. I can get an amen from some wives in the room that want to. <laughs> doesn't mean that at all. I find interesting in chapter 5 of Ephesians, most of those verses are actually geared to, to us because we need to reflect him. That's a high standard. And who wouldn't want to Say, well, babe, whatever you think, if they're having their husband's lives laid down for them every single day, them submitting to their needs every single day. Anyways, we are the bride of Christ. He laid his life down for us. And the apostle Peter in this text is talking to the church. He's reminding them of their identity in Christ and their need to remain in the presence of God. And in verse 1 of chapter 4, it begins with therefore. And if you've been here a number of times and we've started with the therefore, you know that when there's a therefore, we've got to find out what it's, what it's there for. So we go back a little bit in the earlier chapters of 1 Peter, and we see him emphasizing what it means to be a child of God. He implores them to be holy as he who has called us is holy. He says in, in the 15th verse of chapter 3, to set apart Christ as Lord of our hearts always being prepared to give answers for our reason, for the hope that we have. And then in chapter 3, verses 17 and 18, he says it's better, if it's God's will, to suffer for doing good than for doing evil. The folks to whom he was writing were, in fact, they were experiencing some persecution. He said, for Christ died for sins once for all, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to God. He was put to death in the body, but made alive in the spirit. And then verses 19 through 22 in chapter 3 are more like a parenthetical. And so verse 1 of chapter 4 kind of picks up really on verse 18, which says, therefore, again, since Christ suffered in his body, arm yourselves also with the same attitude. We, the church, get to be a reflection of him here on the earth. And to that end, we get to live out our lives for his will and not our own. Now, we in the United States of America don't necessarily have to be concerned about walking outside of this space and being taken to jail for worshiping this morning. There's a privilege that we have that many others across the world don't necessarily experience. Just this past week, and in, in, as I mentioned, I was thankful for God bringing us to Orlando and back. We were at a, uh, a conference 
uh, with the family of churches of which we are a part called Every Nation. You've heard a lot about the immediate family that we have, Grace Covenant Church. They planted us. Pastor Brett Fuller over the last more than 10 years now has really poured into me, and, and, I, and, and there's a lot of my growth that I owe to him. You know about the folks that they've sent out as church planters, or at least a little bit. Pastor Keith Tower in Orlando, Florida, Donnell Jones in D.C., Darrell Morrison in Phoenix, us here in Charlottesville. You heard from Pastor Donnell Perkins, who's going to Myrtle Beach. You heard from David Hermes, who's going to Denver. So that's kind of like that's the immediate family of victory. We know them, we love them, we trust them. But we were in Orlando this past week getting to know the larger family of churches to which Grace Covenant belongs that victory now voluntarily is in fellowship with. Over 80 different nations represented, 6,000 people gathered in this, this, this conference center, main sessions. The kids had what was the equivalent to vacation Bible school all week, so we got to go to sessions and hang out a little bit. It was great. Best part about it is they didn't want to go to Disney. That's a side note, but that was actually the best part because we get to keep our, some money in our pocket. They just wanted to go to the pool, and we were good. <laughs> I'm like, well, praise God. Uh, don't need to Uber anywhere. But we were there, and we're in 80 nations, and then the, the president of the movement was saying, like, but we want to get in 100 and the 111 other nations, and about 50 of them are those that we can't say that we're Christian when there, or we can't profess, otherwise you might be beaten or put in jail, etc. And he said, we're in 37 of them right now, and they began to show some pictures, and they said, you can't tweet, you can't record, you can't do this, can't do that because it will endanger these people's lives. Literally, beaten, put in jail, and worse were some of the people there and some of the people on the screen that they were updating us on. And I thought, God, here we don't necessarily have that threat of persecution. But nonetheless, we, the church, are still challenged, commissioned to have the same attitude as Christ. We are still charged with living our lives for him and not for ourselves. And while in so doing, in so doing and living for his will and not for our own, verse 10 then says, we use whatever gift we have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. And while the emphasis, at least as I've read this verse over the years, over and over, is to serve others and we should, a challenge that some of us might face is in actually embracing or receiving the gift from God to begin with. And as I thought about that, I thought about maybe there's somebody here who literally struggles with embracing the fact that God has something for you something that he wants to do in and through you. There's a gift that he wants you to use for his glory in this space we know as Charlottesville. You might have a difficult time embracing that, like Jeremiah around the first chapter, fifth verse, how he knew him before he was in his mother's womb. He too knew you before you were in your mother's womb and set you apart and has a purpose that only you can fulfill, that when you do, I'll be better for it, we will be better for it, the community will be better for it. Maybe before we even get to serving others, there's a difficulty in embracing that there's a gift to be received from him. Each of us, according to Romans 12 and 6, have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. Ephesians 4 and 7 echoes that same sentiment. Some of us might be here and the challenge might be with sort of the metaphorical bird that flies over your head and says, you're nothing. You've done too much. There's an expiration date on the gift I've given you. Or maybe you're, you're, you're too seasoned, too old, 
We can't stop that bird from flying over our head, but we can stop it from building a nest by looking at Scripture, which says to take those thoughts captive and bring them into the obedience of Christ. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5. So if that is you, perhaps it's more seasoned. Think of Moses and Abraham. 75, when Moses spoke to Pharaoh, Abram was 80. When God said, go to another land, I'm going to show you. At least 80, probably older, when they got to the Red Sea. If you're on the planet, he's got something for you to continue to do for the benefit of everyone in your sphere of influence. On the other end of the spectrum, and I'll get back to my notes in a second, but on the other end of that spectrum are folks like Samuel, who was 12 or 13, Jeremiah, who was 17 when God called him into Judah. And if y'all can do one thing with me in this moment that I think will be particularly helpful for a young man, if you can turn around when I say and just say, you are awesome. You are awesome, Daniel. Can y'all do that? One, two, three. You see my man Daniel up here running around up here in the worship experience. He was trying to troubleshoot some stuff because we're a little light in the back and my 14-year-old little brother is running everything. Good job, my man. There's something in each and every one of us. Yeah. And Willie, I see you too. Not literally, but I know you're back there helping with sound and doing all that stuff. And you care a little bit more about me sharing your age, so I won't do that. But God has got something for each of us, a gift, if you will, to embrace to receive his grace that he wants to work in us and through us for the benefit of those around us. And then there are some of us who recognize and utilize the gifts that we have, but we really haven't received said gifts as from God. Just like the gifts of God, Romans 11 and 29 says it, just like the gifts of God, in the case of those who think they have done too much or they messed up too much, just like in their lives, it's irrevocable, gifts without repentance, no expiration date. Similarly, even for those of us who have yet to say, God, I received this as a gift from you, the gifts are still there, functioning in some capacity, and you can actually do some really good, maybe even great things, but it'll always stop short of the supernatural things unless we recognize it as a gift from God to be stewarded here on the earth. We can serve each other with those gifts, but it will never reach the potential because serving without receiving God's grace is just stewarding ambition. Serving without receiving God's grace is just stewarding ambition, which ambition is not a bad thing. Go get some. Right? Get a strong desire to achieve something, to accomplish something, and have alongside it some willingness to do the work to make it happen. Get some ambition. But if we are not receiving God's grace along with that gift, it'll be just good to great and not supernatural. There's a, a gentleman that some of you guys met. He happens to be an elder in our, our, uh, our parent church, Grace Covenant Church. And I say you met him because last summer we had him come and speak, Daryl Green and his son, Jerry Green, who played football here. Uh, years ago, and he'll be preaching here in October. Um, but Daryl Green came and told the story. If you're not familiar with football, he played, and he had a pretty decent career. And, and he's a good, good dude. Hall of Fame, all of that good stuff. Ran down Tony Dorsett, which is amazing. Ambitious, but you know what his impact, and he'll say this himself, you can watch his Hall of Fame speech and see the impact that goes beyond any exploit on the field, and certainly the impact on my life and the impact that continues to be wrought through his life in the D.C. metropolitan area. It's when he said, God, this gift to chase down Tony Dorsett, this gift 
You've given me to be the fastest man in the NFL at the time. This gift you've given me to play this game for over 20 years is to give back to you to see the supernatural done. To see his son become a preacher, to see his grandbabies loving Jesus at an early age, to see people like me asking to meet with him, not for his autograph, because I want to know, how did you do marriage? How do you do marriage? How did you do parenting? When we have gifts that are irrevocable and can, be, can, can bring about fame and maybe even fortune, it'll always snap up against the supernatural unless we're ready to receive the gift from God. And when we acknowledge that our gifts are from him, then naturally we're going to give it away. It's from you. Because what did God do with the greatest gift? He gave his son away. So if I know that this gift, that whatever it is that he's given you to do whatever, to operate, to litigate, to, 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 to teach, to, to serve young people, to coach, to do whatever, when I see God that comes from you, then it's natural to do what's here, to go and use it to serve other folks. When we receive what he has, then we can speak as one who speaks the words of God, as is spoken here in verse 11. And what happens when God speaks? Oh, there's a moon. That was cool. There's a sun. Wow. God speaks, things happen, and then we get to be a conduit through whom? We speak the very words of God, never to get beside ourselves and think we are him because we are not. He allows us to submit the gifts that he's given to us back to him such that when we speak, people hear Jesus. That's a good thing. We can serve out of the strength that he provides such that we can do way more than ever a degree in, or whatever training we might have received will help us to do. The strength that he provides will allow us to move mountains the strength that he provides will allow us to have a marriage that is actually joyful. The strength that he provides will allow us to matriculate through the University of Virginia without losing our entire mind. <laughs> or teach there, for that matter. Got going nuts. Demolish every stronghold. Anybody have a stronghold needed to be demolished by the strength of our almighty God? Let me help you. We all do. And the person sitting next to you can be the beneficiary of your stewarding your gifts well in that their stronghold might be broken because of your testimony and how you've given back to him that which has been given to you. That could be through a victory group. That can be through your just following up with them after a service. That can be through an extended conversation over a year at Panera on Thursday mornings with Olivia having coffee. Amen. Amen. Small group. Whatever that looks like, when we give back to him, how many know he's able? How many know he's able? How many know he is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we can ask or think? Ephesians 3 and 20, y'all may not need him to do exceedingly abundantly above all that you ask or think, but I do. I have children. Yeah. I have the challenges of life that maybe none of y'all ever experienced. Those where I say, God, if you don't show up, there's no way I'm getting through this. If you don't show yourself strong, if I don't leave the house with you today, if I don't come home with you today, God, I can't parent this kid well enough. I can't come in here and say anything worth anything. Nobody's smart enough. Lord, it's not the degrees behind my name as much as it is the name written on my heart, and his name is Jesus. And I need him every step of the way to see this world impacted. I love to have some church. 
serving without receiving God's grace is just stewarding ambition. And ambition usually leads to serving us. Again, not bad, but it it oftentimes comes back to us. And the goal, per, per verse 11, is for him to be served so that, as it says, in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. We, the church, get the privilege of stewarding God's grace in whatever form of whatever gift he's placed on the inside of you and me. May we as a church receive that which he has given from him, preferring others then over ourselves, as Philippians 2 talks about, and utilizing those gifts to honor him by serving others around us. Amen? Let's pray. Lord, we thank you so much for the word of God.